Some of that will be keepable. As you guys know, I don't know our sub podcast, so it'll either be whatever we do keep from that or something along the lines of, welcome to Late to the Movies. My name is Ben Holt, this is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots. Each week, we'll pick a film that either I or a guest hadn't seen before and really should have by now. This week, continuing Dumpuary, colon, Battle of the Genres, our contestant from the Romance Corner, um, hailing from Vienna, Austria, weighing in at, I don't know, 90 pounds. That what do we think Ethan Hawke weighed in 1995. Um, about that. It's before sunrise. I know we did. We did a movie that kicked off a straight to home video franchise last week. We might as well just keep doing Marvel movies. All these franchises we're doing now we're doing the before trilogy. I mean, come on clockwise. Cause that's how I have to do it on discord guests this week. We got Lindsay. Hi. Hi, we got Marshall. Hello. We got Craig. Uh, we, we got Ray. Hello. Hello. Yeah, proof of life either way. And Greg is also here. Hi. <laughs> um, so we'll get into the movie. I'm excited to talk about this one. One of my, you know what? I won't say if it's one of my favorites or not, because Greg will take that as an opportunity to go the other way. Um a movie that I've been trying to do a while, maybe because I hate it, just to give a little bit of a swerve. And um, before we get into that, though, as always, let's talk a little bit about what we all have watched lately. And then before we do that, Marshall, it's your first time on the podcast. So real quick, what is your, uh, I think your literal background on this Discord call gives a little bit of a hint of this, but what's your background as a film watcher? Avid film watcher? Watch like one a year? somewhere uh i think you would categorize me in the watches way too many like goes to the movie theaters like at least 50 times a year uh you know watching them pretty frequent watched them a lot as a kid went to film school so yeah like pretty far in on the spectrum yeah yeah so pretty pretty committed (laughs) yeah (laughs) that makes sense um do you want to kick us off have you watched anything good recently um well, Lindsay and I just uh, watched a movie this past weekend called All of Us Strangers that I really enjoyed. Other movies that have come out that we've seen recently, uh, we went and saw the new Wonka, enjoyed that. Um, TV shows, we just started The Curse last night, but we're only one episode in, so I don't really have too much to say. Uh, it's already already making me very anxious. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like an Ethan Fielder show. Yeah, is that yeah. A movie? Is that a musical? Uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, the same director who did the Paddington movies, which, if you haven't seen, are amazing. Um, I've actually it, seen those. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I would recommend it. I, I'm not even particularly uh, attached to Willy Wonka, like as a series or a book or whatever, but I enjoyed it. So. I remember when I was on last, we were not sure that that was going to be good. Have you seen it, Ben? I haven't seen it yet, but I wanted to because it came out and enough people were like, Wonka, good. So I kind of <laughs> want to catch it. And it's, I don't know if it's because of a lack of competition or just because of whatever, but it, I think, was doing pretty well last I checked, like money wise. So it's probably still available around here. It's mm-hmm. tough. Um, but anyway, um, I'm assuming you guys knew going in it was a musical because apparently some people don't and then are uh, disappointed, I guess. It's like a weird thing with movie marketing these days. It's like with that and with the Mean Girls movie, like they're just like, if if we 
tell people it's a musical in the trailer, they're not going to go watch it. So we'll just keep that completely a surprise. It's a weird, so weird strategy. Yeah. It's a weird shift. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then the color purple, I think, like, doesn't mention that it's based on the, that it's a movie adaptation of the Tony Award winning musical. I think the trailer only mentions it's an adaptation of the book, and I don't think there's any songs in it. So, yeah, I don't know. Surprise musical is a terrible idea. Like, that is so jarring if all of a sudden people start like breaking into song and dance. <laughs> it just does not seem like a good idea. Yeah, it's it, it hasn't been. You can, like, it's not that hard to find recordings of people like who I guess are anticipating this happening who are recording the audio of their theater and just the groans when, um, <laughs> The Lindsay Lohan character starts singing towards the beginning of the movie. And I mean, if you're not expecting that, it is pretty weird. I'm imagining. And you're already like, that movie's not that old. Why are we doing this? And then like, it's another layer of confusion from there. Uh, Oh, I've seen one thing since the last time I I mentioned anything. I know you guys are, some of you guys think you're film buffs, but I bet you I've seen some you guys haven't seen. Uh, I saw uh, me and Renly watched the Paw Patrol movie. You know how every now and then they put out a movie that's like clearly a movie for kids, but it ends up like being wicked good for some reason. It wasn't one of those. It was just bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So yeah, no, no, no remarks. Um, There, it's about the Paw Patrol. So it's a bunch of dogs and like an eight-year-old boy, but he has like billions of dollars worth of like government looking military vehicles and a battleship I, I don't know why i assume the u.s government probably you know threw that right into the military budget <laughs> yeah oh my goodness isn't yeah, isn't paw patrol like a is paw patrol not a good show i feel like you hear so much about it i would assume that it's like a decent one uh, no it's just like not i good. haven't i i don't think friends <laughs> really watched it more than like maybe one time, but I feel like it is right on the edge of those um like shows that are bad enough and like animated poorly enough where you watch it and you're like, this could have been like generated by AI, like the whole thing, like <laughs> where you're like, yeah. the dialogue is bad enough and like, like you're like, this could have just been created by a computer. <laughs> like somebody like created it specifically to make a toy line kind of show, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes that- that does make sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, I haven't seen the Paw Patrol movie, so you got me beat on there. Mm-hmm. If it gets nominated for an Oscar, I'll be one up from everyone else when it comes to that. I don't know what not uh, to pick. <laughs> I don't think we're, we're, we have to worry about that. So after um, you gave us the potentials for the January pod, um, Marshall and I watched My Girl Friday. Is that what it's called? His Girl Friday. His his girl Friday, mm-hmm. I liked that. That was good, old yeah. movie, you know. And then, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it's really good. The the witty. I, I like the female character. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. You know. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Uh, for our younger listeners, that's why one of the versions of Tony Stark's AI that talks to him is called Friday. Because I like the witty banter. There you go. Oh, did not know that. There you go. Uh, Greg, guess what the Paw Patrol movie has as a rating out of five stars on Letterboxd? 
Oh, on Letterboxd? And it's the pop it's the Paw Patrol movie from 2021, not the sequel from 2023, right? It, it, no, this was the sequel. Oh, okay. Then let me find that one. Okay, yeah, go no, go. It's a lower. It's better or worse. It has a lower <laughs> rating than the original. Uh, I'm gonna say it's got so it can be. It's not okay. It's got lower. Uh, I'll give. I'm gonna say the first one. <laughs> I, I knew there was a first one. I'm gonna say 1.5. Uh, two point seven. So oh, it's, it's over. It's over half, I guess. If you're going wow. on that, I feel like maybe the people that are predisposed to like the Paw Patrol movie are probably not on Letterbox, though. So, like, you know, you have to take that rating with a grain of salt. It's true. Mm. Yeah, I can't think of the, if there was anything else. I want to see the Boy and the Heron, and I still haven't seen it. Mm. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, unfortunately, might get muscled out of that category by Paw Patrol too. But we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, tough competition. It really is two point seven on Letterboxd. What's what's Boy in the Heron? Like it can't be more than that. There's no way. There's no way. <laughs> so let's start talking about Before Sunrise. Richard Linklater's 1995 um, Gen X talky classic. Uh, this was not my first time watching it. Uh, I'd never seen this before, actually. Yeah. Um, yep. No, I haven't seen this. Honestly, I haven't even seen like almost any romance movies. I I don't think, I think the only other romance I've seen, like a strict romance would be like the notebook. Uh, and I like this movie. I thought this, this one was real good. Um, I hadn't seen it either. Went in completely blind. I don't know how many, I think I've maybe seen it four times. Um, this being the fourth. Lindsay and I went and saw it at the theater last year. She hadn't seen it then. I guess I'm answering for her now. Um, and I saw it like two times in college, I think. So, yeah, something like that. Well, and also Marshall adapted a scene from it in film school. So there's oh, that. So. <laughs> I guess I'll um, talk about this now. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, one of the courses I took uh, in film school uh, was a director's workshop class. And the assignments, um, there was like twice in the semester that we had to adapt a scene from like a film or TV show or a play or something. And um, I was just kind of scrubbing through the uh, some script pages from I guess, you know, movies and stuff pe people have done in the past. And uh, I stumbled upon Before Sunrise, read the five pages of the script or whatever. And I was like, yeah, this seems seems interesting. And I knew who Linklater was, but I hadn't really seen much of his stuff, um, even though he's like, you know, Austin film legend. So it sounds sacrilegious to say. But so I was like, well, this seems interesting. Uh, and yeah, so I picked the the scene when they're in the park. Uh, talking about whether or not they want to, you know, do the nasty. I, um, I adapted that. Yeah. That's fine. And was that a change you made to the dialogue too? Yeah. I said, <laughs> do the nasty. Really? I tried to modernize the script. You know, I changed everything. Mm -hmm. I decided I was, was going to do the nasty with you right when I got off the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It sounds good in a French accent. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of those scenes like that stuck out to me that I would have changed to because that's the only one scene I think in the whole movie that's really bothered me. 
all night I am thinking how fucked up it is that they left the, the wine bottle and the glasses in that park. That was a nice park. <laughs> right? Especially in Lindsay, Europe. Lindsay. Right? It's yeah. The filing parks. What is wrong with them? <laughs> That's, it was you messed expect, up. You expect littering in America, but is nothing sacred? I thought Europe was supposed to be a clean place. As soon as I saw them like show that in the end, I was just like, Americans. <laughs> You gave them free wine and they just left it on the ground somewhere. It's fucked up. You know Jesse's not sending that money. I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. right? No. Honestly, I didn't know this was a trilogy, so I expected in the end you were going to ask us if we thought they met back up or if you were going to ask us if he sent money back for the wine. <laughs> Good question. Yes. I honestly think it's like probably the best way to like go into the movie, not knowing that it's a trilogy, because I think it makes it more interesting that way. Like I when I when I watched it the first time, I already knew there was a second one. And then the third one was coming out like the following year. Um, But I think that's kind of it's fine that if you know that there's sequels, but I think it, you know, maybe I'm just a little bit jealous that I wasn't old enough to experience it when it came out and have the nine year gaps or whatever. But I think that's probably the best way to have experienced that story is kind of just to have the normal time pass between them and pose those questions. And supposedly that was just an interesting uh, thing to think about uh, after the end of that movie, people who had seen it, which, you know, wasn't, I guess that many folks was just like, do you think they got together in the end? Do you think they met up? Were you a cynic? Were you an optimist? Like, it was an interesting thing. I I was thinking about that last night because I thought that was going to be the question. I, had, I didn't know it was a, a trilogy at that point. So I was like, oh, Ben's definitely going to ask us what we think about this. And I sat I'm, for a while last night. I was thinking, like, oh, do they end up feeling... I would have said no. <laughs> mm. So the first time I saw it was last year, like Marshall said, we went and saw it in theaters, but we did a double feature. So I saw it back to back, the first and the second, and then watched the third one later in the year or something. And it was, I really enjoyed seeing it like that, not having to wait <laughs> to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> I can like watch more... the second one now, so can we not spoil it? Yeah. Okay. What? Sure. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. I like it you better. definitely should. It's definitely they're they're all three great. So you should yeah. definitely watch really? the next two. Yeah, I was gonna not see the second one because I like I like where it ends. But or maybe well, you could just been... wait a long time. You know, wait nine, nine years. years or whatever. <laughs> so that's so I totally agree with you, Marshall. That like I do feel like when I saw this, I knew I, I didn't see before sunrise until after before midnight came out, and which was 2013. And um, so, like, I already knew that was all happening. And I definitely am a little jealous of, of like, the open-endedness that was originally there and um, the kind of Rorschach test it presents to audiences for almost a decade before uh, the next one came out. Um, but, yeah. So did, did, was it announced that it was going to be a trilogy before they came out, or was it just a standalone? Yeah, they just did one at a time and, you know, there was no guarantee that they were going to, they, they never thought of it as like a two part story or a three part story or whatever. They kind of, I think they just really enjoyed the collaboration so much, Linklater, Ethan Hawke and Julia Delpy that, you know, kind of stayed friends and 
started spitballing ideas about a potential sequel and that kind of how it evolves, you know, between each chapter. Yeah. They contributed the two main actors contributed story ideas. And then in the two sequels, they're credited in the actual screenplay too. Um, so it's definitely between those two and with link later, a real collaborative thing that they're all really protective of. And so it was a question for them. Apparently I wasn't in the room, but you know, so great as all of, you know, the whole movie is about what do we not do to ruin this? Like one perfect moment. And they're, Obviously, the, with both of the sequels, been really cognizant of how do we not ruin where we left the last one. Uh, anyway, uh, I feel like Greg in this in this crew usually does the one minute plot summaries. You want to give it a try? There's there's a sure. chance for a record on this one. I I I'll give it a little extra because there's not a lot to for a summary really. But um, our 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 movie starts. There's uh, a couple arguing on a train. Um, a woman moves because of this argument, and a man across from her starts a conversation up. They move to a different part of the train, and they kind of start talking. He goes to leave the train, convinces her to come with him and spend one day before he has to catch his flight to leave uh, Europe the next day. They, uh, you find out it's Jesse and is it Celine? Is that what her name mm-hmm. is? They don't say it much. Um, they start traveling around Vienna talking about each other and what they think about love and life and all these big topics. And they discuss them as they kind of interact with the the city a bit um, until the night ends and they go their separate ways and they agree that they're going to meet back up in this spot in six months, even though originally they said that it was just going to be one perfect night. And the movie ends with them just on a bus and a train going back home and looking out the window. And that's where they leave you. Yeah, so this is our second Linklater movie, and I would say this has a lot in common with School of Rock, but we don't have to dwell on that too much, probably. Um, Since you guys started doing the Oscars parties, I guess Boyhood would probably be the big pull for him, too. Uh, But we haven't done Boyhood yet. But yeah, he's, he's a dude that's definitely obsessed with narrative structure and time. Mm hmm. So, okay. Um, so first of all, they're on the train. This is a great train movie. I love trains. So that's, so I'm, I'm immediately in train movies. Have we train discussed movies. train movies? I don't know if we've done train movies before. Um, it's really this and murder on the Orient express for our like catalog that, that come to mind immediately. Maybe a couple others, but we have more stairs movies probably. And this is, this is Lindsay Marshall favorite stair movie. Dare movie concept yeah, of a stair movie. movie. What percentage uh, of the movie has to take place on the stairs? Is it is a small percentage okay? If it has a really nice staircase, it's okay. If it's only uh, a couple pulls from us was Titanic and, and Parasite. If that helps. Okay, yeah, Parasite's good. Um, I mean, the first thing that came to mind was Vertigo, um, and then after that, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, a Matter of Life and Death, uh, a.k.a. Stairway to Heaven, I think is the U.S. title. We haven't done yeah. any Archers movies yet. Gotta get Powell and Pressburger in there. Yeah, the first three we have done, though. Vertigo is a great stairs movie. We spent a lot of that episode talking about how long it takes people to run up uh, a winding staircase in a bell tower. <laughs> anyway, um, but this movie... Train movies, what you got? You got yes. Polar Express, right? <laughs> Train. 
Good train movie. Bad train. My favorite train movie that uh like no one has really heard of uh is an old Hitchcock movie called The Lady Vanishes. It's like I guess it's kind of similar to Murder on the Orient Express, but it's like the whole movie's basically on the train and it's a murder mystery. But it's also just really funny and like the lead characters are just have a really good dynamic. Um I would recommend that one. It's a good train movie. I'll check it out. Spirited Away is a good train movie that we did. Yeah. That is a good train movie. Uh-huh. You're right. That it has a very mm. good train scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's true. A very impactful and train. A scene. cool train too. Yeah. Terrible train. train stop though. You gotta wear like galoshes to get on there. The terrible train stops. <laughs> terrible. Oh. Now um, I've only seen like one other romance. Like I said, I, I think I've I've seen the notebook, but not for a very, very long time. Are they always like this or is this movie just weird? Like there's only like two named characters in this whole movie, right? Yeah, it's pretty experimental in both essentially taking place, not literally in real time, though I think before sunset almost is actually like he has an hour and the movie is like 80 minutes long. Right. Um, but this is pretty, I don't know if experimental is even the right word, but it's not typical of how these movies are structured. I mean, I, I really dug it, but it, it was definitely weird. Like, cause it was just them talking in the scene where they just moved to a new spot and talking in a new spot. And it was just the two of them for what, like an hour and a half. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, they are the only named characters and it's sort of just like this weird. Um, I don't know. They they describe it better, but they're basically in this suspended moment in time that it feels like one of them says it feels like a dream. And they're just like some nice people that they pass on the street, exchange a couple sentences with here and there. But it's essentially just them talking about stuff. Um, the kind of stuff that people are kind of obsessed with in their 20s. And um, I don't know. Dismissed by a lot of critics at the time was just, you know, sort of, oh, that's just Gen X, rom-com, whatever. But I don't know. I feel like they get at some really good stuff. I really like the writing in this movie and the performances are awesome. So dismissed yeah. sometimes as like a talkie movie, all three of them. But it's the way that the actors are doing all the body language and all the, you know, the stolen glances and, and everything. It's It's just so cool. So I, I think that's what I like the most. I, I think I noticed it like um, when uh, it, it's pretty early when they're on, not the train. It's like a bus kind of thing. Yeah. And they're in the back. Of the, and yeah, and he they're asking the questions. And yeah. Ethan Hawke gives that really weird like speech about um, reincarnation and spirits. And the way he's talking yeah. like he I feel like he presents himself in the way when you're like saying something that, you know, is kind of weird and you're like kind of awkward about it because, you know, it's really weird. But also he's like a little like he's like, but I really do think this kind of and he kind of like in the end, he says something like, I'm oh, sorry, I'm so scattered about it. But maybe it's because I'm like only one fifth of a sphere or something like that. And he's like kind of like moving a lot and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is really like, I don't know, the way he was talking and stuff. It just sounded a lot like how people would talk and the way he moves and stuff. I, I, I felt like I really dug that part. Yeah, there's a there's like a really naturalistic kind of quality yeah. too. It's not very performy, even though they mm-hmm. have all the ticks and there's like slowly revealing different neuroses that are, and different like things about themselves that are coming to the surface. But it's all happening in the pace that you would be like holding back this information or really self conscious about this thing. 
that is kind of like bubbling to the surface over the hours that they're spending together. Um, it's just so cool. And there's like a really famous moment in the, in the scene you're talking about where Ethan Hawke, like sort of reflexively goes to brush her hair out of her face and then sort of like loses his nerve when she turns back and like pulls it back and pretends he was just putting his hand behind him. Yes. It's just awesome. Yeah. It's really good. It helps. I, I, I love Ethan Hawke. Honestly, I feel like he's always good. So yeah, I, I forgot until the end of this um, that uh, we did Dead Poet Society. So we've talked about Ethan yeah. Hawke a little bit before. Um, this is only six years later and he's, I don't know. I guess the goatee does a lot of work because he seems very, very young in Dead Poet Society. <laughs> but he's only, I think, mid-20s. He's like 25 here, I think. I mean, I don't, I've never seen Dead Poet Society, but he still seems really young in this movie. Like, mm-hmm. well, especially when you just, compare it to the other two, yeah, yeah, well, and and you know, in the mid 90s, and the kind of the fashion sense of like you know, an American guy in the mid 90s, like baggy pants, gray t shirt, leather jacket, you know, I'm just like, oh. <sighs> what a sloppy American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she likes his greasy hair, as she later says, though, so <laughs> right. <that's> fine. <laughs> His hair does seem to get bigger over the course of the movie. It's like, is is Vanna human? <laughs> I don't know. And you got to wonder, like, has he just been on trains? Has he showered since he left Madrid two weeks ago? It's unclear. Question. A lot of questions. Steak. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just going to sleep on the ground outside the airport and then fly home. So... <laughs> Like if if that was plan A, like I don't think he's staying in nice hotels. So or not even nice, but like hotels with plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he says something like he has no money left, right? <laughs> yeah, this is this is basically the end of his money that he's gives to the the guy that writes them a poem. I feel like he's the last time he pays for something, maybe. Mm-hmm. Stuff, stuff's just kind of happening dancer, so yeah. the chronology you know is it, it what it is um, but so we should say our two characters meet on a train and um, they immediately talk their first like in-depth conversations about death he thought he saw his great-grandmother's ghost through the the rainbow in a, in a hose and she's terrified of death and they hit it off um, just kind of goes from there he has a weird idea about local access uh syndicated television it's a weird idea yeah (laughs) (laughs) although kind of a cool idea kind of a cool idea yeah i remember last time i lived in boston there was a tv station that i could only get over a digital antenna but like was it like on if you had cable you couldn't get the channel and it literally was that it was just like it seems like people would make their own like travel log episode and then just to submit it to this show. And it would just be like, here was my day in this town. And it was really interesting. So I don't know. They, they would do like, like, yeah, they would do like the interesting stuff in that town. It wouldn't literally be what Ethan Hawke wants, which is just um, people making coffee and yawning. (laughs) Beautiful. Like a dog laying in the sun or something. Yeah, it would be like so, the I, show, right? Yes, exactly. they would. Exactly. No, literally would. Yeah. So yeah, so so he was onto something because that obviously that was the biggest show in the world in the fiction of the yeah. Truman Show. So 
Um, I like that they don't um, exchange names for like through that whole first scene. It's not until they're off the train. Like she agrees to leave the train with him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> as as they're in the station going to a locker to put their bags away. Like, oh, what's your name, by the way? That was weird. I, I, I guess so I hadn't thought I, they didn't say that before that. They he I think they literally say, like, what's your name, by the way, or something like that. Um, yeah, it's not until they're off the train together. Uh, the one thing I did know going into this was that it was a romance, and it's a good thing, because otherwise I would have been sure he was going to kill her. <laughs> <laughs> it is a... Now that you mentioned that, it is, like... The first 20 minutes are pretty much one-to-one with the first 20 minutes of Red Eye, except that's on a plane with Rachel McAdams and <laughs> Killian Murphy. I feel like um, the first like little bit is kind of classic how they set up a, a movie now where someone murders a, a partner. <laughs> yeah. Or like, um, I mean, obviously a different situation, but like the first 25 minutes of Barbarian, not that different, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Except that that lady is a lot more cautious than Selena's. Yeah. <laughs> the 90s were a different time <laughs> at one point Celine mentions like nobody even knows where I am in like kind of a funny way and I'm like oh lady you're oh my god <laughs> you're lucky you're in this movie you're not a different one <laughs> so yeah she's not gonna like like I'm gonna you know send a picture of your license to my friends right now or something like I love the way that he talks her into getting off the train by doing that like thought experiment thing where he's like, imagine your future life and like you're with your husband, but you wondered what it would happen if you went off with this one guy. Like, let's do that. And I'm like, I don't know. That's fun. Yes. And I like that he ends it too with something like, and CEO leave with me. And then when you think back, you'd be like, oh, he, he, that guy was just as boring. So I'm happy with my husband. <laughs> yeah. Think of it as time travel is uh, one one of the great pickup lines in cinema. And it also like, it's like a really heady and like, like Jesse, the whole movie right on the edge of almost too pretentious. Um, mm-hmm. And it and just like says so much about the character that like, that's his version of this pickup line. And, and it, and it does work for him. Uh, curious would that, would you have gotten off the train with Jesse? We do our own thought experiment. You're Celine in this situation. With Ethan Hawke, yes. Good <laughs> <laughs> question is that. Yeah, yeah. I guess we have a couple things going on. Yeah, like we. I think everyone would think differently about getting off the train with a stranger in 2024. But I guess the thought experiment is you're Celine, and it's 1995. In 1995, yes, absolutely. In 2024, no way. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I would. I think I would even in 2024. Oh, wow. But I would be messaging pictures of IDs to Jordan <laughs> and to you guys <laughs> uh, and turning on my location mm-hmm. on Find My Friends. Um, but otherwise, yes, I would be doing it. See, I feel like I, uh, I, no. my, like... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say uh, my, like, logistic travel brain is just like, this seems like a like a travel nightmare. Like, you know, you're supposed to be in this place and this time. I guess it's a bit different from her because, like, train travel is pretty frequent and she's not that far in Paris. But I'm just like, oh, my God, like, you had this whole itinerary planned out. What, are you just going to throw that all away for some guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it like that. Like, some guy's like, yeah, skip your connecting flight. What? Yeah. <laughs> How am I ever going to get where I'm going with this? That? 
Yeah, they think you get fined. They they really don't like when you do that. I guess the train's just like, yeah, whatever. One thing I did say to Lindsay, though, in the opening sequence, uh, it's kind of interesting because I, I almost feel like the story wouldn't work today. Like if, if Before Sunrise was taking place in 2024, because everyone on that train would be on their smartphone, right? Like you wouldn't have like two young people just reading books across from each other, right? Like this like neat, cute thing. Like people, you know, I mean, like I'm I'm guilty of this too. Like I would be on my phone, like watching a movie or some shit. But like, I think the, it's it's already an unlikely scenario, right? That like this, you know, fortuitous meetup would happen and she would get off the train. Like, it's already like, you kind of have to like roll with it. Um, but yeah, just the idea of two strangers, like talking to each other and like meeting in the dining car and like shooting the shit. And just like, I, there's no way that happens today. Say there's no yeah. way that nobody, somebody's going to be speaking to a stranger, like st- striking up a conversation. I saw that yeah. happen the other day in a cafe and I was horrified. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry for this person that they are having a conversation with a stranger. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if I'm in a spot like that, there's not much I want to see on my phone, but I'll look at it just so that nobody thinks they can talk to me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 fair. Yeah, anytime I've taken public transit, it's just like, it, like you said, even if I don't have a thing I want to look at my phone, just as a rule, I'm staying glued. I'm looking eyes down. We're not engaging. Yes. The The only times I've had like a good interaction with strangers on public transit is if something weird, like a couple is loudly fighting and then walks by and it's, it's sort of the, the it's sort of what initially happens with Jesse and Celine where like you kind of catch each other's eyes and go, <laughs> but that's it. <laughs> that's the extent of it. You can't go. You can't go further than that unless you look like Ethan Hawke in 1995. I guess. <laughs> yeah, it helps. Is, is is key to a lot of this working, uh, seemingly. So then they get off the train. They talk to the cow, and um, then they they sort of move on from there. So okay. at that point, at that point, what are you? I feel like you must be thinking, what is this movie? Are they just going to talk to random guys? I was like, I'm pumped to see what happens when they go to the cow show. Is what I'm thinking at this point. <laughs> and I was pretty disappointed that they skipped these fields. And like the whole time it's getting darker and darker. I'm like, they're not going to go to the cow show. They're going to skip these guys' show. Like, what the hell is going on here? And it's getting darker. What dark time dark. is like, that play? I was like, the play's at 930. And I'm like, it's pretty dark. I was like, I don't know where, like, I'm not good with time zones and stuff. Like, I, I don't know what, what time does it get dark in Vienna. I don't know. But I'm like, I was worried. And then at some point I was like, there's no way they're making this show. <laughs> Yeah. There's like 40 minutes left of the movie. This it has to be like midnight at this point. Yeah. At least they acknowledged it. Uh, that made me feel better that in the end they they acknowledge it. I was like, okay, cool. At least it, this acknowledgement. They must be disappointed too. And it's it really messed with you too because you're like, okay, at the end you find out it's June. Um, they're at Wiener Prada, where the the world famous permanent fair in Vienna, Wiener Prada where the guy says it's right near Wiener Prada and you know, they're there at sundown because that's when they kiss. Cause he mentions the sunset. So you're like, you're doing the math in your head. looks like it's summer, probably about 8 PM now They're And they're right there. Just like get, get a coffee and then go to the show. It, it has to be happening. Then they end up somewhere else in Vienna, which is rude. And get in a fight. When you say it like that, 
Uh, it honestly kind of makes sense to me because if you're, you know, maybe that's what their plan was, but after the Ferris wheel scene, their head is like in a completely different space. Like they've already kind of solidified the fact that they're into each other with a kiss. And, you know, I, I think they honestly probably completely forgot about the play. It wasn't like an intentional, like, nah, we don't want to go to that. They just like, I think the, the beautiful is a million miles away. The beautiful kiss scene could have been followed up by a, a like a five minute scene of them sitting in chairs in a theater quietly eating popcorn, not saying anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, an extremely strong argument why movies are bad first dates. It's mm-hmm. this is like example one here. You could instead just go walk around and meet random people. It's better. Um, yeah. So not. As I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, okay, I know we're not going to go plot point by plot point because that's weird, but am I even going to remember what happens in what order? I was like, absolutely, I certainly will. And now that we're talking about it, it's like, okay, uh, so it's nighttime now. Uh, what happens I next? <laughs> don't remember all the like the order of all the scenes, honestly, but I feel like I remember like what dialogue happens in what yeah. uh, one places, thing I, you know what I mean? But- one thing I definitely want to hit on before that happens during the first day um, is uh, another really famous scene is is the listening booth at the record store. I love that, that is scene. like um, sort of indefinable, but is perfect. <laughs> yeah, that that shot is amazing. Yeah, it just like says everything while like the, neither of them are talking. It's just like the nervous energy, mm-hmm. you know, of youth. Mm-hmm. The you know, I mean. Because they're both like, what, 23 or something in the movie. And you're just like, everyone can relate to that moment of, you know, I got butterflies, you know, should I make a move? Should I not? I don't know. Like, they just capture that moment beautifully, I think. Uh, That's I think that's what I like most about this movie was it felt very real. A, a, A lot of it felt very, very real. Just the way they talk, the way they interact with each other. Uh, Sometimes, you know, um. Jesse was, like you said, a bit on the pretentious side, but I, I don't know. I, I did feel like it was all very relatable. It was, it was real cool. Pretentious in your twenties, makes sense. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that yeah. that listening booth scene is like the first time that they're like the point of them being in there is they're listening to music, so they're not talking. Like everything else is just them talking, 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 and so this mm-hmm. just like becomes this like silent dialogue that they're having with each other. It's like, oh, they're saying so much. not at all (laughs) yeah it's 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 so good and like it's that thing like they keep looking away just in time and then and then like smiling because they know the other person's looking at them but they're like not acknowledging it it's uh, so good and um yeah i know it's 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 just all very lovely uh i like so talk i mentioned before that he's like pretentious but it's definitely this sort of like mask of cynicism that he's wearing. And he's obviously when that's, it drops a lot throughout the movie. He's just very much a hopeless romantic. Um, and he's the one that's like a little bit more desperate at the end when they're trying to set up more plans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's not really that cynical. He's just kind of wearing it as armor. Um, and, and that's something that they're both doing with different kinds of, you know, stuff. And it's a lot of, um, the kind of first date getting to know people thing is all self presentation and sort of trying on a persona that you think is appealing to the other person. And I feel like this movie captures the kind of realistic nature of that really well too. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's times where you make a mistake on a first date and tell them about how you had to be evaluated after your last breakup where you wrote a book about killing the person. <laughs> 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 Red flag, right? Yeah. Jesse, Jesse, Jesse was cool with that one. I would have been like, ooh, okay, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Dude, like that. She's like, I'm just worried he's going to die for some unrelated reason. I'll be a thousand kilometers away and I'll get arrested for it. <laughs> uh, sounded like a bad dude, though. I mean, her description of him, not great. So, no, under- understandable. No redeeming qualities. No redeeming qualities. So just uh, probably instead of trying to go chronologically, it might be best. We already talked about some favorites, obviously, but are there particularly particular standout scenes or conversations or topics that jumped out to you that they discuss? Because it really is just about 100 minutes of two characters having an extended discussion. (laughs) It's just a bit of dialogue that Celine says, but I think, you know, kind of obviously, you know, if you were to kind of like sum up the two characters at, in terms of like uh, opposing forces, you know, uh, Jesse's like the, the cynic, right? Um, and and Celine, maybe the optimism, but obviously kind of ebbs and flows and you see that they both have both. But um, Celine said something that I kind of found pretty moving, which is um, it's that if there's magic in the world, it is in the attempt of like getting to know someone else. Uh, and I just, I don't know. I, I, I've always kind of felt like a pretty empathetic person. And, and I think that's kind of what resonates a lot with me and Linklater's movies is it seems like he's just genuinely interested in like other people. And I think that's, it just comes across really well in this movie that, uh, and I, and just by nature of it being like two people talking, right he's he's interested in telling a story where like not a lot happens it's just two people talking and getting to know each other right where that's why it feels like an experiment of a movie because most movies have like a plot right where like you know shit happens and there's a climax like these are just like no what if what if it's just like two people getting to know each other the whole movie um so i i appreciate that um you know if it seems like and in, in these movies and in Boyhood, it's a lot of Linklater kind of just pontificating, you know, his just feelings on life and, you know, love and uh, like, yeah, just getting to know each other. Right. And I'm like, that's good. I like that. Yeah, that that line's incredible. I, I agree. That's that's a good one. Um, oh, I like um, when they're walking. I think they're like by the river and there's that guy sitting there smoking and he offers to write them a poem. And he writes their little poem with milkshake and, uh, you know, they read it and they, they both like it. And I, I like when they go to walk away and uh, Jesse and me like, you know, it's it, it's the same poem, I bet, every time. And he just puts in the word and she's like, what? And he's like, oh, never mind. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he like realizes like, uh, like, I don't know if he was meeting her a bit there where she was, you know, like you were saying, she's that got that optimism to her and he's being all cynical about it. Um so I really like that. And I like that he doesn't like push the the topic. He's just like, oh, okay, you know, we'll you know let you have this. You know what I mean? You think it's fine if you think he wrote this, even though I, I, as soon as as this guy wrote this poem, I looked at right one. He uses the same poem every time. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you can tell the first couple stanzas gets to the the word that was suggested, and then the rest of it is not really relevant to that. <laughs> It's good though. 
really good. I guess it depends on how much you love milkshakes, right? Like if you love them a lot, maybe you have a lot to say uh, about like, you know, just how milkshakes make you feel all lovey-dovey inside. I'm not that partial to milkshakes, you know, that I would write a whole poem about, you know, love about it. But, you know, for some people, I know Lindsay loves milkshakes, so maybe she disagrees. So we'll give you, I think that guy looked like he had about two minutes. We're going to give you two minutes, Lindsay. You have to try to write a better poem about milkshakes. Well, I love that scene too. I was actually going to say that was one of my really um, standout ones too. And I feel like, I feel like part of the reason he like backs off of being so cynical is like two things. Like one, I think the poem like touched him. Like I think it like both of them were like, whoa, he just wrote a poem about us. And also he had already been cynical about the palm reading. And like, I liked that scene too. Um, and how like inspired she was by what the palm reader said to her and how he was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> She's never going to tell you anything honest because it would be so boring if people told you honest things when they gave you those but um but yeah i like what you said greg that he backs backs off of his cynical stance when he gets to that point mm-hmm. that was kind of like the nuance that i felt in the situation because i think maybe the palm reading was like the the previous sequence and i think yeah. in you know if i'm putting myself in jesse's shoes he's like okay well celine didn't like what i said about the palm reader right and then he he almost like probably not even thinking about it says another cynical thing about the poem and then i think he's like course correcting in his own mind right he's like well maybe i need to back up because uh she didn't like what i said about the palm reader so maybe i should just like chill the cynicism for for a minute you know and and the the poem happens right as they're about to start fighting about the palm reader too the guy like interrupts them and then as he's writing it they that's when they're they're off to the side like do we just have our first fight (laughs) Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they talk about the nature of conflict because that's a 22-year-old's talk about. <laughs> um, I uh, I really like the scene in when they're in the booth and they're doing the fake phone calls. Um, yes. You know, not lost on you, probably, that they don't get each other's last names or information or anything at the end. So they have all these different kinds of games and, and like play things going on. And so this is another way of it's it's cute, but it is also like a level of removal where they can't just say what they're actually thinking. They have to have this kind of um, artifice in between it, too, which I which I find really interesting. But it's also an extremely charming scene that I love. <laughs> yes, it's a very cute little game. And uh, I really like the voice she does for his friend. <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> that like, killed it's funny because i feel like i know people who answer the phone that way so like that one really got me (laughs) selena has seen some uh, american films she she's she's seen some some dudes in the cinema for sure um just good that's when she says he, that she loves his greasy hair. Yes. She tells her friend, he's actually kind of cute. I was like, he's kind of cute. He's Ethan Hawke. What do you mean? Of course. He's Ethan Hawke. What do you <laughs> Yeah. And she says he's like kind of tall. <laughs> I also think Julie is beautiful. Oh, my gosh. She's gorgeous. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're both very gorgeous. 
We agree. Is she, is she in the, the only world? reason the movie works? It's true. Yeah. Is, is she in a lot of other stuff? I feel I don't know if I've ever seen her before. More French stuff. Oh, that's probably why. Yeah. Not a lot of animated children's movies. <laughs> probably not appearing on screen in a lot of the animated children's movies you've seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this movie would have worked with two ugly people. Would it? <laughs> Maybe. Not as, not as well. Yeah. But would we have watched? No. Mm. That would they come out of the theaters for. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was trying, I tried to like immediately get to a funny mean joke about like, oh, well, I don't know. It seemed to work in, in X movie. Didn't be like, you know, the joke being like those were two ugly people, but I couldn't get there in a way that made sense. So I was going to set a lot. Oh, yeah, any British romance? <laughs> there you go. That's a great one. Got him. I don't know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, bad teeth or something. Whatever the cliched low-hanging fruit <laughs> joke would have been. Sorry. Couldn't get there for you. It's kind of like a uh, not really related, but you talking about British people reminded me that there's... um. Another movie that's kind of similar to this, but it, don't, it doesn't all take place in one day. And it's an older movie called A Brief Encounter, David Lean movie. Um, and it is also very good. Um, it's kind of similar in how it's just like two people randomly meet. I think they're even at a train station, maybe. Um, uh, and it's kind of like a will they, won't they uh, have like an affair. Um, and it's just really good. It's yeah. It, it's all in the chemistry between two people, I think. Uh, and it has sort of like a similar I, I like ending in which, you know, you, you're not sure if the two char- characters will like ever see each other again, but they've like clearly had a profound impact on one another. That's awesome. We should do more like recommended or further reading kind of kind of recommendations <laughs> when we're talking about movies. Uh, we haven't done any David Lean, but one one day we'll do some. This is a good movie. I like it a lot. Well, what else do we want to say? It's it's hard to like really put exact structure on this particular episode because the movie is so uniquely structured or not structured, I guess. I was so convinced that they wouldn't meet back up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Like six months later? Yeah. Yeah. So we don't really know what happens, right? Maybe they don't meet up six months later and then they stumble upon each other later on yeah i don't know you asked for no spoilers i can't tell i know i know they can't say anything but that's just yeah but that was what was really interesting when it came out right is like you know everyone had a different opinion on it and no one knew because there was never going to be a sequel exactly and i really i really like that i'm a little disappointed i liked it a lot yeah i know that my my Like naturally, I feel like disappointed that they're 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 sequels. But I mean, you you guys seem to all say that it's good. So I mean, that makes a big difference when there's they, like an actual nice sequel. <laughs> do interesting things with the premise. It's not. It's certainly not just rehashing. Hmm. Yeah, so I, I like when they're saying they're like goodbye in the end too, and they decide they're gonna like meet back up. And she's like five years, and he's like five years. Five years is a long time. And I mean, it was like five years. What's this lady thinking? That's so long. <laughs> yeah. And they're they like, straight. 
they weren't thinking straight. Yeah, that's like twenty percent of how long they've been alive at that point. That's it's a crazy. I was idea. thinking that too. I was like, these guys are their early twenties. Five years is a lot of their life. Yeah, they're gonna be very <laughs> different. I also had the thought, like, why didn't they exchange emails? But then I was like, I mean, it was ninety-five. You know, the he doesn't have a computer. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, have a I really, I really loved that ending scene because they were like so frantic, like as they were about to mm-hmm. leave. You know, like you could feel like the clock like counting down, and how the whole time they had been talking about how like long distance doesn't work, and that you know that's why they were just going to have this one thing, and they were going to be adult about it. They were going to see each other, and then at the very end, they were just like, "No, we can't. We have to meet back up again." Um, that's good. Yeah. It was perfect. It's crazy how like, you know, the majority of the movie is kind of like super slow paced. Right. And so you feel like they have all the time in the world and they're kind of getting to know each other in every scene and sequence like has plenty of room to breathe and nothing's rushed. And then in that final moment, right, like, you know, you've come to kind of like love these characters if you're in the movie. Um, and you know that she has to get on this train, right? So all of a sudden, the pacing is just like this, and you're like, oh, my God, they haven't even exchanged any pertinent info. How are they going to actually continue to be in a relationship? You feel that tension, too, right? Because you're like, you've kind of grown to love them as well, and you're just like, do something, you fools. It's so hectic. And then, like, too, as they're, like, trying to work out the logistics, I'm like, there's no way you can work out the logistics. You got, like, 10 seconds. And he's like, six months from today or six months from yesterday? And they're like, oh, yesterday. At six thirty here, and he's like, "Okay, just remember, like I, I gotta come from really far away." So, and he's clearly like, "I'm probably gonna be late. Like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be yeah. straight right now. There's no you way wait. I'm making this time, but well, wait for me." <laughs> it's like, just remember that I'm coming from far, but I'll be here. Yeah, it, it really does. It really does seem like they've been putting off trying to deal with the reality of it until they're like on the platform. Mm-hmm. And like the right. train is like blowing at the horn, and it's it's about to go. Um, and it's 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 like I said before, it's like the mask thing, and they've been like really cool about oh, we're gonna be adult about it, we're gonna be mature, and then like it's just completely off. They're frantic, they're panicked, and it's like no coolness at all. So I, I do like that. Um, Ethan Hawke gets gets to be like when she's like, so we're not gonna call, we're not gonna write, and he's like, nah, it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> i i like to uh when they're on i think it's like a little restaurant boat when they're having their like third dinner or whatever i feel like they got food a lot of times <laughs> and that's the scene where they're like they decide it's just gonna be the one night you know just tonight it's gonna be one perfect mm-hmm. night whenever we'll say our goodbyes now and as that's going on i'm like is that really what's gonna happen because like like i said i didn't know there was like more so i was like for a while after that i was like is that just going to be it? And then I was like, I think that is going to be it. Cause I was like, what else will they have time for? They're not going to show us their whole life. Like, you know what I mean? I was like, so it's gotta be it. Right. So the scene in the end where they're like freaking out about how they're going to meet back up. I like worked really well for me. Yeah. Then she gets on the train, he walks away. Um, and then it does. So, uh, Ray and Greg, we you, you guys were in the Halloween episode, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I always think about the ending of Halloween here because it's like it's like John Carpenter showing you these different suburban yeah. um, situations, all these different places that Michael Myers could be hiding, and um, and I kind of always think like of the Halloween music going in my head. And it's like, ooh, it's really tense. Maybe he's on the boat. 
Maybe he's in that alley on top of the uh, shipping pallets. Um, but weird no, thought, it, man. <laughs> it's a weird thought. It's it's an intrusive. No, you're thought. right. <laughs> I thought at one time it's like, well, this is this is a really good ending in a extremely different context. But now I'm going to think of like, duh, 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 duh. yeah, every time, every time. You know, I forgot they had that scene where they like show you every place they've been, but they're all empty now. And I don't know why I really like that. That the, every every single spot is like empty now that they're not there you know what i mean i saw the bottle in the the glasses that's where i noticed the bottle and i was pissed <laughs> yes that is where you see the third it's a it's just a nice park that old ladies walk through every morning and <laughs> and it's full of litter i'm that old think- woman that's being like oh, these damn teenagers leaving this stuff all over the place <laughs> they didn't even drink this wine <laughs> Or pay for it. I think that's the scene, too. In that one, the tree in the park, you can see Michael Myers behind it. <laughs> he's sticking out a little. Yeah. But then when you look back, he's not there anymore. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, so it's right at that end there, I should mention, it's, uh, the, the main day that they did all the stuff on was June 16th. Um, it's one of many references throughout Linklater's filmography to Ulysses because Ulysses takes place on June 16th also. But there you go. The, Big James the, Joyce fan. When the morning's happening too, the only thing I can think of is I see like her getting on the, the train. I was like, I'm looking at the sun. It is way past 930. This guy missed his flight. This is international. Like <laughs> what he should have been at the airport like 630, right? And I was like, then Ray was like, well, you know, I was like, this I, this isn't the kind of guy who gets to the airport on time though so we're like that's probably true creative liberties <laughs> i mean the whole time i'm just like when i'm thinking about like time logistics and things I mean, i'm like that's, you, you gotta give link and them some you know like it's a small movie you know they you know they probably didn't have that many shooting days you just gotta let some of that stuff go yeah no i don't really mind i just think it's funny it all of that stuff was shot in magic hour you know in 30 minutes somehow impossibly it's 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 all it's all dawn you know he he got to the airport don't worry about it i don't know like what i said though like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who gets to the airport early anyway (laughs) yeah and i think for you greg you were just so mad at him for not going to the cow play that you're like no no more slack is being cut to this movie I'm never going to see that cow play now. That guy is the cow, cow, and he acts like a dog. He acts like a dog. Just tell me, guys, do they go see the cow play in the sequel? Look, the the actual play would never live up to whatever your imagination was about this cow play, and I think that's what they realized. They're like, look, people are coming up with all kinds of crazy shit in their head on about this cow play. Whatever we do is going to disappoint. True. That's probably it, honestly. There's no, it wouldn't have lived up to expectations. There's no way. On the other hand, really, the only way to justify making a fourth one would be <laughs> get all the original <laughs> actors back. <laughs> it's now like the th- 30th anniversary of the staging of that cow play, Mr. Like Wallington's Cow or whatever they. <laughs> okay. So, um, do we want to get into ratings before doing some wrap-up questions? Yes. Okay. 
Um, so on a scale of 0.5 to 5, going up by halves on any scale of your choosing, besides stars, what would you give before sunrise? I'll give it a four out of five littered parks. <laughs> uh, four and a half milkshakes. Five milkshakes. I'm going to give it five out of five white t-shirts under tank top dresses. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because I love her outfit. And I wanted all year, I'd never ended up getting a Halloween costume, but I wanted my Halloween costume to be her outfit from that movie. I told Lindsay I would be the only person who'd get it. Yeah. <laughs> and I wouldn't care. I would enjoy it. <laughs> and I also can't be Ethan Hawke, so... <laughs> her outfit really stood out to me because it doesn't change the whole movie. She has the same... like. Yeah. It's, just, it's just weird that someone has the same outfit on, the, you know what I mean, for the entire yeah. movie. So like, I kept, I kept noticing it. She had like clunky shoes on and like, yeah, I don't know. Flannel tied out. around her waist. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Total vibe. Um, I guess I'll give it, I'm going to give it four and a half arguing couples out of five. It's not a lot of objects in this movie. I'll give it um five out of five islands containing 99 women and one man or vice versa. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a good one. Um, so we like that movie good Uh, it's like I said battle of the genres Um, I haven't figured out what that means yet but I've got one more episode after this to find out for the end of the episode though we're going to have a little internal battle with your own thoughts on genre so I'd like to know what your favorite genre is what genre you think they should make more of whoever you consider they to be and what is your least favorite genre or the one you find hardest to get into or bounce off of i know for sure my least favorite genre is musicals i cannot get into them they have to be really good to suck me in all right well then you're the reason that uh hollywood's hiding what what are musicals filling out those comment cards I won't like not see a movie because it's a musical, like, but it just, uh, it, it has to be a, it's gonna, I, I hope, like, it's gotta be good. It's gotta be really good. I don't know what it is. The music just pulls me right out. Maybe it makes like, sense to, for everyone to get in on least favorite first, and maybe we'll just take it like that. <laughs> okay. A lot of hate in this group, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll start with that and then build to the less hateful things. My least favorite is horror. No, thank you. I'm all set. <laughs> okay. So so I'm quite a bitch, so I usually won't watch horror, but when I do gather the courage to watch a horror movie, I usually like them a lot. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm a fucking wimp, so it's, it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, Lindsay. I was going to say my favorite is probably psychological horror. <sighs> yeah. It took me a long time <laughs> to admit it, but I think it is because I think those are the movies wow. I always end up going back to. Oh, my God. <laughs> we, I think our longest episode ever was The Shining. That's mm-hmm. still still our longest episode. Mm. Love The Shining. I like psychological thriller. Like I can get to that, but like the horror specifically. Where, where's Silence of the Lambs on that scale? I was about another, to say the same another thing. Another one that we've done. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen that one. 
Well, that's could, like a I perfect could. movie, so you should see it. <laughs> I could call that one either one. I was going to say that was psychological horror, but then Lindsay mentioned psychological thriller, and I was like, oh, maybe it's more that, honestly. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think paranormal happens. It's just yeah, really I, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. That's a really good movie. When you said our longest episode, I thought it was going to be that one, Ben. It's one of those. I think at the shining, I think the shining was longer, but those were in pretty quick succession. Then I got the feedback that our episode shouldn't be two and a half hours long. <laughs> and they've all been like 80 minutes or less since then, I think. In so our defense, to watch too, though. before sunset. Yes, it is. In in the, in the beginning, every movie we picked was like, this is one of the best movies ever. <laughs> right, that's true. Before we were doing themes, which gives it more of a sort of uh array of quality sometimes any other least favorites that haven't been thrown out there yet I, my easy answer would be uh romantic comedies just because it's not that there aren't good ones that i do really love but i just feel like on average they're very mm. cheesy and lackluster i don't know when you compare them to something like before sunrise like okay clearly this is a movie that has like artistic ambitions and like something to say. And, you know, is, yeah, I mean, Linklater is just a good filmmaker with good taste, you know? So it's, when you compare that to the conventional, like rom-com, it's, you know, it's just not for me. Yeah. I, I don't think I've seen a rom-com that I liked in like 10 years. It's a Did good time. They don't make them anymore. Nothing. Good time to announce February is going to be rom-com month part two. Uh, <laughs> That was uh, 2021's February theme was rom-com month. So this is rom-com month strikes back and we got some good ones, but yeah, no rom-coms they did because they can't, they can't make a billion dollars and they, we don't actually have stars anymore to star in these things to get people to go see them. So anyway, I, I, I don't like, um, I don't like like shameless action movies, you know, where there's not a lot of substance to it. How about shameful action movies? <laughs> ones that are really embarrassed by themselves <laughs> those i like i like that yeah, you know what i would like those too that should yeah. be a genre if they can admit what they're doing is bad i like it <laughs> that made me think of the um the unbearable weight of massive talent and it was just like i mean i think that movie kind of like knew what it was but you know it was an action movie but like was not taking itself seriously at all and i was like that i can get behind that yeah, I I really had fun watching that movie, and yeah. um, then that kind of just feels like it disappeared. Even though, like, feels like Pedro Pascal got very famous right around when that movie came out. Uh-huh. I think it's because it came like there was that, and then everything everywhere all at once was like about the same time. And I think just like everything everywhere all at once kind of blew up to this like massive thing. So it probably stole a lot of its thunder. Yeah, that took the spot as like the above average goofy. Um, sentimental favorite of the season, kind of. Mm. That's probably the right call. Um, but hey, Nick Cage still makes interesting stuff, which is good. Um, my least favorites, I've gone with. I don't. I don't know if I've answered that. I think I've. I think I've cheated and not had to made myself answer that yet. But now you have to. Yeah, we need an answer. Um, I think I said like boring movies. I don't like those. <laughs> boring <laughs> movies. That's a cop out. Uh, yeah, I hate when they what make those. Um, <laughs> so that came out of someone saying like they don't like like period dramas, like 
stereotypical oh. like BBC made period dramas. I just hate bad movies. That's why. Oh, yeah, I don't like when they're bad. Movies. I hate war movies. There we go. Oh yeah, you do. Hate mm. War movies. Yeah, I think that kind of ties into the action, but I hate war movies. But how much fun did we have laughing every time those like three weird notes from All Quiet on the Western <laughs> yes. Front played for, for every technical Oscar last year? <laughs> <laughs> we did have fun. Did I have fun watching that movie? No. Nope. No. And, but it's you, good. You hate those every year. It's mm-hmm. good that all the voters fell in love with that and gave it like seven awards because we're all still thinking about it. It yeah, makes such yeah. a big impact on the landscape. Yep. I um. So I'll say I got, since I started doing the podcast, got way more into horror. And this has also sort of been a way to like give myself timed homework to like, okay, I can't put off watching this movie if it seems like it's going to be homework if it's just or if it's just like long or in a lot of cases if it's a horror movie um and it turns out they can't actually like hurt you so um it it mostly just becomes fun once you realize that (laughs) any other favorites i don't know if this is a recency bias but i think my favorite is romance i like, and I also don't think that I see enough of them. Like, it's a rarity, I feel like, that I'll watch a romance movie. But we watched, what's that movie, Marshall, that was a romance that we watched last year? <laughs> it, last it's year? Korean. Korean, right? Oh, God. Oh, Past Lives. Is that what you're talking past about? Lives. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Past Lives is amazing. Good, yeah. It's getting yeah. slept on, but, like, it should... It should win some Oscars. I don't think it's going to end up winning any, and that makes me sad. But what are you going to do? Think it's... of other romances to like compare this one to, and I had a lot of trouble like coming up with romance movies. The two that I immediately yeah. think of that I've always liked, um, since I've seen them, I guess, uh, is Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind and uh, Five Hundred Days of Summer. Eternal um, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind like broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd have to good. go back and watch yeah. that one again because I, I didn't expect it to be so sad and I was like traumatized by it. So <laughs> I'll have to go back. <laughs> I haven't seen that yeah. one. <laughs> I just love that like leaves you with such like an existential feeling and just like, I don't know, you embody it when you watch romances. I don't know. I like it. One thing I was thinking about because I just saw another movie because I Googled romance movies. And I'm just curious what comes up. And by the way, this is fun. Uh, if you've seen these, you'll know why this is funny. Um, top romantic movie picks. The first three results on Google are Saltburn, huh. um, May, December, and uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. So, <laughs> so Google. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but Google's been horribly broken for like a decade now. Uh, <laughs> Google's not known love, okay? Google's like, I'm a robot. Why are you asking me? I guess Killers of the Flower Moon. It sounds sexy. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't watch movies. I'm Google. Like, They never programmed me to love. Yeah. <laughs> A little further down the list for Greg and Ray, Call Me By Your Name, a movie that you guys hated. Yeah, we did not like that one. It's good. 
Sorry. I, I, I did that one. I, I couldn't. It did want to make me wear short shorts and ride my bike around Italy, but. That guy's sexy tennis movies coming out this year. So we'll oh. be talking about it for Oscars soon. I couldn't remember why. I finally remember it was the 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 age between the actors. It just I couldn't do it. Yes. Bad casting. Yeah. Ruined the whole movie for me. Agreed. Weird that Army Hammer kept trying to chew Timothy Chalamet also. That was pretty in weird. hindsight. Yeah. Yeah. He, he looks way too much older than Timothy Chalamet in that That's movie. He looks, Timothy Chalamet already looks young in general. He's got a baby face. And Army Hammer does not. And I, I like the whole time because I don't think they specify their ages. Like, is this like a predatory thing? Like, I, I don't I understand. Like it. If yep, the casting was better, it. I would have liked it. But I just couldn't. I couldn't get. I couldn't get behind it. So it is one of those things where I had a similar feeling, but I was just like, it. You know, it's one of those movie things where it's like you, you don't really know how old the characters are. I I definitely see where you're coming from, and I had similar thoughts, but. Yeah. If you're gonna like not be miserable for two hours, I feel like you kind of just have to like buy into something, you know, and then and see how you feel about it at the end. Um, and it, it worked well for me, but I mean, I don't know if I'm just really partial to movies that take place in like you know an interesting location or something because I just like traveling and you know like the before movies. Okay, like cool, let's walk around a European city. I'm just like, yep, I'm there. Uh, <laughs> Call Me By Your Name does that successfully as well. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I usually love a good uh, uh, story in another country. So, my, my favorite... So, uh, before Sunset... Sorry, Before Sunset's Paris, right? That they're yeah. in, I think? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The, the sort of... It helps with the escapism if you want to, like, get caught up in the relationship, and then it's it helps to be in a really cool location, too. Um. So I won't say what movie I saw that references this because it would sort of be a spoiler, I guess. But um, my favorite romance, and sorry, Greg, because there is some songs with the music's really good in it, is uh, probably Umbrellas of Cherbourg. That movie fucking rocks. <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, and I think we still have what movies they should make more of, which we've maybe kind of covered in a general way anyway. But if you have a pithy one-liner for what you think should exist more in the world, go for it. I know, Lindsay, you already said romances. Mm-hmm. I mean, it sounds uh, cheap to say, but, you know, in today's day and age, I feel like everyone is preaching the, like, stop making franchise movies and, like, make original movies. It's not yes. really a genre, but, you know, it would be appreciated if studios, like, put money behind, like, original stories. You know, and, and like, just the mid-budget movie, you know, like the $30 million movie, right? It's like everything doesn't have to be, like, $2 million or 200 million you know yeah. movies can make money if they operate in like a realistic tier but um, honestly yeah it it's worse for me with like tv shows but it happens with movies too with like the whole franchise thing they have going on now but like a lot of times i don't like to go see something if i'm worried it's not finished because i feel like they're gonna ruin it at some point what do you mean not finished mm-hmm. yeah like a series yeah like when netflix releases like a a, a show People are like, oh, you got to see this. You got to see it. And I'm like, well, is there another season coming out? And if people aren't like, it's done, then I'm like, I'm going to wait. Because a lot of times they'll release something real good and then they'll just ruin it. With, like, they'll leave it on like open ended and then the next season's terrible. And I'm like, well, wow, now it. And they do the they same just, thing sometimes too, where like something becomes a trilogy and the second one's awful or something. They beat all the money say, out of it they can, you know? They're like, 
the show could also just end up getting canceled, you know, like where they, the, the creators don't even get to finish it. Right. Like, and it's all because you didn't watch it, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you would have watched Greg, you put so much, to, honestly, know what really crushed me most recently. I, I, I don't watch any, I don't partake in any media at all related to star Wars ever since the last movie. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker. It killed me. Yeah. Yeah, I hated right. that movie so much. And I really, I was really digging the first two. And like, I was so into it. I put so much like love into watching those. And they put all that last one. And I was just like, oh my God, are you serious? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have time, but we should just do a month. That's all the stuff that we're always like, we don't have time to get into it. It'll be like just cats and rise of Skywalker and <laughs> do each of them twice or something. I could shit on the rise of Skywalker for three hours. What? Why does Palpatine shoot lightning in his own face until he dies? That's how that movie ends. It's stupid. You could say that literally about every decision that was made in that movie. None of it makes any sense. We can't talk about it because it is a rabbit hole and I will get stuck in it. I I legit haven't watched any more Star Wars media since that movie. I was just like, I can't. I can't. They hurt me too bad. And I love Star Wars. I'm just done with Uh it. I don't back. It is. It's not like funny in the what it says about the film industry sense, but it is funny that Rose Tico, after like Ryan Johnson tried to make that character, um, uh, like a main character in uh, Last Jedi, that in Rise of Skywalker's Finn, Finn's like, "Hey, you want to come on the main adventure?" And she's like, "No, I'm good back here. I'm not going to be in the rest of the movie." <laughs> no, I don't want any more death threats from fans of this film franchise. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hang back at base. Guys, we can't do this. I already said I have like <laughs> I know one of those ridiculously long pieces of parchment with all of the grievances I have about this movie. It's just like right next to me, waiting to be unscrewed. Rolled, all right, I can't do it. So when Ray gets that um, that knife, no, <laughs> and and she goes to Endor, where like broken shards of the second Death Star are like just in an ocean. How does she know where to stand? That it lines up perfectly. That it tells her where to go to get the thing she needs. Those pieces would be moving around. It's been thirty five years. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. What do you want from us, Ben? We know. <laughs> Who are all those people in the arena at the end watching Palpatine? Who the fuck are those people? There's like thousands of them. They don't have, a, in their defense, they don't have a lot of time to explain this stuff because they spent a lot of time trying to undo anything that they said in the movie before that. That's true. They did. Why? Why did they do that? Because J.J. Abrams didn't like it. Oh, God. Anyway, um, I think they should make more Batman movies. There's not enough Batman. There's so much Batman. <laughs> we need five simultaneous Batman Please, unrelated no. to each other. We only have two or three right now, depending on if you count. I like uh, how they just keep trying again. <laughs> like, no, scrap that. Throw that one in the garbage. We're going to try again. Know what, know what I, I could use more of, even though I already said my piece on this r-rated horror i feel yeah. like they do a lot of pg-13 horror and it doesn't hit the same it's not as good That's probably i think true. r-rated horror is kind of on a on a bit of a resurgence it seems like with um 
kind of like the A24 horror movies and things like that. I, yes. I'm not particularly big into horror, so I haven't seen like a lot of the ones that some of my friends have said are really good. I, I mean, I've seen a couple, but it seems like there are, you know, at least three or four movies every year where people are like, oh, yeah, that was like actually just a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I always wait on horror because first of all, I'm a big bitch and I want to hear like which ones are, are real good. But like I've, I've seen a couple lately. Like I saw Barbarian. That one was so good. I love yeah. Barbarian. Yeah. Blumhouse has been really successful making movies for not a lot of money and making a good amount of money. Um, and that's been their their kind of business thing. I don't know if that's working for Night Swim, which as previously mentioned on this podcast, quite funnily, um, Carrie Condon's follow up to Banshees of Inishirin. Night Swim in theaters now. Um, but they hit with Megan last year. That made a shitload of money for not that much. So, um, yeah. And then the elevated horror from A24, that, that, that's my sweet spot for sure. I haven't seen Talk to Me yet, but the, our friends who have seen it really liked it. I loved Skidamarink last year, and I realized that's not... Some people think it's the worst thing they've ever seen, and I... I can't necessarily disagree, but I loved it. So whatever. Anyway, Greg, watch Skidamarink. I'm worried it's too scary. It's not, or maybe it is. <laughs> See, that doesn't. I don't. I don't. I don't have a lot of confidence there. There's got to be like a blog or something. You know how there's like that um thing where it's like uh moms rating whether or not movies are suitable for children, like. There's got to be a thing where like horror movies for w- wimps or something, you know, it's like on a scale of like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not bad at all to it'll make you shit your pants. Like, you know, there's that that has or to exist that, on mm-hmm. the Internet somewhere. I would think I think, I if think got it, does. If it doesn't. We have to do it because then you could put in like filters like, you know, like medical horror. Like you don't want to see anything with that. I, I can't or, do like, anything. You know, I can't. That's like gross. That. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I think that like that kind of rating thing exists um for me i just don't like jump scares just like as a thing so i yeah. use so i use where's the jump.com um and then my cousin has like a levels that he can do in horror too so he was looking at the one for skinamarink after he had heard like it's the scariest movie ever made from some people and he looked it's like the whole movie only has two jump scares in it so those two jump scares must be <laughs> insane <laughs> <laughs> and there is one I think that is pretty pretty solid. <laughs> anyway, we're probably not going to be able to keep all that. Um, <laughs> Just keep the Rise of Skywalker stuff. Why do they keep going to different locations like every five minutes? <laughs> why did J.J. Abrams hire Carrie Russell and then never have her face on the screen? Was she even there? How much money do you think she got for that? I don't think she was there. Anyway. Yeah, guys, we're not doing this. <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for being out. We had Lindsay, Marshall, Craig, Greg, and Ray. Bye. Thanks. You can find our stuff on Linktree. It's linktr.ee slash late to the movies. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I think it's just to talk more about Rise of Skywalker. So we'll <laughs> give ourselves a break so we can go to sleep today. And uh, just make sure we meet here in six months. <laughs> yes. Wait, six months. Six months when we started talking about Rise of Skywalker yesterday or six months today? <laughs> I was just going to say, be, be sure to watch... Uh, before sunset and before midnight see uh you know if you need to take some time understandable but like they're they're all worthwhile and really interesting
Yeah, I really want to. Okay. That's a good note to end on. Thanks, everybody. No problem. Get out of here, Craig. Tell him to go fuck himself. <laughs> Craig's refusing to leave. Yes. He's got a mind of his own. <laughs> I'm staying right here.